Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in. I hope all of you are having fantastic Tuesdays, wherever you may be, across this great country or around the world. As we know, many of you are listening all over the place, especially as the holiday season gets closer and closer. Christmas, not very far away. Get that shopping done. 13 days until Christmas Day and then New Year's. Lots coming your way, lots to be decided, and let's dive right into what's going on. Several different stories out there, uh, but we got a couple of great guests for you. Andy McCarthy is going to be on with us in the second hour to break down all these legal shenanigans, uh, both with Hunter Biden and also with Donald Trump, the expedited case argument in front of the Supreme Court. What in the world's happening And then a guy that I know many of you are going to be very excited to hear from, Tucker Carlson, is going to be with us in the third hour. Tucker has not done a lot of media since he left his show uh, back in April, if I remember correctly, was when that happened. Uh, So he is going to be on with us in the third hour, so you can go ahead and get geared up for all of that. Three stories that are out there. Uh, that we're going to be talking about, I think, in some degree of earnest throughout the course of today's show, along with many others. What in the world's going on with the Donald Trump legal proceedings? What's the Supreme Court doing? Is there any way that this trial is going to start on March 4th? And how does it play out both legally and politically? Uh, Chris Sununu is the governor of New Hampshire, reportedly endorsing Nikki Haley, as president, you knew that he was not endorsing Trump, but does this set the table for DeSantis to be favored to come in second in Iowa and then Nikki Haley to come in second in New Hampshire? And how do we assess the political calculus there with the next big state that would be up uh, on that uh, on that calendar being South Carolina, where Nikki Haley obviously was the former governor, but also a place where Donald Trump is very popular? We will get into that. But Buck. We begin with the rules not applying if you are the right diversity and inclusion hire. Claudine Gay, who is the Harvard president, has been given basically a full-throated protection 
from the Harvard board, despite the fact that she has been, it seems quite clearly, caught plagiarizing her Ph.D. Uh, dissertation. And she also was alongside of the MIT president uh, and the Penn president. Penn president, white woman, fired. Is there any doubt? Let's just start with this, Buck. Is there any doubt that if a white guy said what Claudine Gay said, the exact same things, and also was accused of the exact same plagiarism, that that man would have lost his job, in your mind, any doubt at all? Zero doubt, and I, I would just note that I think, um, you know, the bigger issue here is obviously calling for the genocide of the Jews doesn't violate Harvard's code of conduct. I, I think the testimony is worse than the plagiarism. Um some people could disagree with that, but. Oh, I know. actually think, I actually think I disagree. Really? Yeah. If I were ranking those because the plagiarism is an intentional lie. Say, like, I don't, and this, this may be, I get it. The, I get the, it. The it's plagiarism all kind of, is pretty, I mean, look, it's like, you know, she didn't cite, she like paraphrased get, look, or whatever. All, you know. all of academia to me is, is largely BS, right? There was a world out there where I would have enjoyed being a professor on a campus when people were still sane, either of history or law or even creative writing. Like I think all yeah. three of them I've taught. I, I think I think changing the rules suddenly because that's the that's the key. It's not that you can say whatever you want as long as it's not illegal, as we've discussed. It's oh my gosh, if you don't use the preferred pronoun, and we can get into how this Harvard president um yeah. specifically was an enforcer of those double standards before, which is not a surprise at all. But look, I mean, the, the bottom line here is that if a prominent DEI hire like this got fired for this kind of incompetence, the combination of the two things, it would mean that other prominent DEI hires could be fired for incompetence. They weren't hired for their ability in the first place. They were hired because DEI elevates the characteristics of protected classes being black, being female, being LGBTQ, being Hispanic, being, you know, you go down this list, they elevate that as something that is more important than any other consideration in the hiring process. We all know this, we understand this, and the Constitution doesn't actually allow for this, as the Supreme Court finally ruled recently, um, judging people based on skin color and discriminating against others. But it's going to take a while for these fights to play out. The system does not want to change. So she is among the unfireable. Yeah. She's unfireable. And this is why I had a bet. I think I even said it on the show with my brother, with one of my brothers. She will not be fired. And it's interesting because the white woman from UPenn doesn't have the same level of protection in academia and in the DEI dominated world. So she already had to step down, right? Um, now, as to which is, so we, we know what this is. She's unfireable because the moment you allow a prominent DEI hire to get booted for not being good at the job, you open up the doorway to, well, you know, what about this person here? What about that person there? No one thinks that person's good at their job. Maybe we should, no, no, can't do that. Have to keep, and let's talk about elite profession, elite, you know, positions. I'm not talking about, you know, people who are like, uh, you know, working hourly wage jobs at, you know, service industry stuff we're talking about the president of harvard she's making i'm sure over a million dollars a year oh, yeah. she's determined you know this is a a prominent very visible position okay interesting you disagree you think the plagiarism is worse i saw the plagiarism instances if she had copied and pasted like whole pages and the yeah. whole thing i, I but the, the whole point is plagiarism is always unless it's super egregious it could be in this little bit of a gray area um but students 
to be clear, students would be expelled for what she did, or students would face sanction for what she did. So I'm not saying what she did is okay. I'm just saying, like, I think the plagiarism rules are a little, you know, when have you stolen an idea from somebody? Did they get the idea from somebody else? Like, how do you even really know? So here's where I think it's challenging. I actually agree with the position that the Penn, the MIT, and the Harvard professors or presidents addressed. I and, and look, I understand some of you out there are going to disagree with me. Uh, I think that we should have the most expansive speech policies possible. I don't agree with anybody who's chanting, uh, trying to uh, insist from the river to the sea, uh, the intifada, certainly that these are martyrs or that there should be a genocide against the Jews in the same way that I don't agree with the KKK when they're marching saying, uh, by the way, death to blacks or, or Jews as well, minorities. In the same way that I don't agree with somebody who walks around and says white people are the root of all evil, white men and Western civilization and capitalism must be torn down. I disagree with all those things. I think you should be able to argue them. And so my concern on the way this story has gone, Buck, is they're not going to – my concern is they're not going to acknowledge their hypocrisy and say, no. oh, you know what, we have been uh, artificially curtailing speech on campus – I think they're going to try to expand the amount of speech that they censor. And so I'm concerned that the reaction to what I think has been a very viral congressional testimony is actually not going to go the way we want, which is everybody gets treated equally and all forms of speech, even abhorrent ones, should be permitted on a college campus, which is what I believe I think you're more likely to see a further brand of protectionism of all of these coddled students and so I don't know what yeah. the best way to bring that about is. Does that make well, sense? Yeah, I mean, what what Jewish Americans have been shown, and it's interesting, conservative Jews uh, are not surprised by this and, and know this, but yes. what liberal Jews in this country, right, left-wing Jews have found out in this whole process is if non-white minorities decide that you are not protected. You are not a protected You're class You're the bad anymore. guy. That's what they're yeah. stunned by. They're like, we've been, for centuries, for millenniums, we've been discriminated against, but because most of us have a white skin pallor, suddenly none of our history matters at all. We are the white oppressor. Yes. And so and that, that's what has been, been the shot. That's the story. But I'm just going to, you know, there's a few, a few things here. One, again, I think given the it's not just that you know calling for the genocide of anybody is obviously grotesque and calling for the genocide of the jews is is obscene um it's that there was this double standard that was so obvious all along uh andrew sullivan who's a kind of center left writer i would say um you know he's reasonable on some things you know i would disagree with him on others uh he put this out there president gay um has said that in the past fat phobia and and cis heterosexism are, I'm quoting him here, just to be clear, quoting him, not uh, no, no plagiarism here, uh, forms of violence and that using the wrong pronouns constitutes abuse. The same president of Harvard engineered the ouster of a law professor, Ronald Sullivan, because he represented a client yeah. that gay and students did not approve of, Harvey Weinstein. You can get fired as a lawyer at Harvard who is also a professor if you represent someone who goes against the politics of the school, but all of a sudden they become free speech absolutists on calling for the genocide of the Jews. It was the hypocrisy, I think, that was the most stunning part of this. Um, and, and I would just say, look, I don't think any of this is going to change. 
Uh, I'm going to tell everybody right now. Everyone's saying, oh, there's all these lessons. I don't think you're going to see a change in people. You know, right now they're saying, oh, they've lost a billion dollars. That's just committed money. They could recommit that money in six months. Some of these people, I'm just going to tell you this, when it comes time for their kid or their grandkid to get into Harvard, all of a sudden those donations get turned back on. I'm going to let my oldest son pick whatever college he wants, which is what I think most parents should do. You can aid and assist and visit and let, let him make a choice. I got to tell you, though, Buck, I, I'm not that enamored of the, Har- uh, of the Harvard or the, or the Yale or the Ivy League in general anymore. It doesn't feel aspirational to me. It doesn't feel like a way to get the best possible education anymore. Um, and I wonder how many people out there listening right now kind of feel the same way where you and I, when we were growing up, uh, roughly, you know, the eighties, the nineties, the early two thousands, I think there was this aspirational desire. Hey, let's try to go to the best school we can get into. Let's try to get the best possible education. I think a lot of people are looking around now saying, man, they are so, uh, so close minded now at many of these Ivy League institutions. I wonder whether if you have a smart kid, you even want them to aspire to go there. Well, well, there were two, there were two things. One is the, Elite schools and people will talk about the Ivy League, but obviously, you know, Rice and Stanford and, and, you know, U Michigan and, and U Virginia, University of Virginia. I mean, there's a lot of schools that aren't Ivy League that are also very, very elite based on the testing and, uh, and the standards to get in. Um, but just say the elite tier of schools, which I would say is any school that, you know, takes less than 20% of applicants. I think that's probably a pretty good approximation of what an elite school is these days. And some schools, like Yale Law School, I think takes 2.7% of applicants or some you know absurd number. Um, it used to be that that was a, a way to open doors for anybody who went to them, and also it was a marker of some level of ability and intelligence. And depending on who you are, both of those things may be entirely untrue, and people are figuring that out. Like if you go to Harvard, maybe it opens doors for you. Maybe it does. It depends. You know, if you're some, if you're a, if you're a, a middle class white kid from the Midwest who just got, you know, just got straight A's or whatever, and you worked your way in there, yeah, you're still gonna have to get past the gauntlet of hiring for big law firms in New York or for investment banks or whatever. And there's a ton of DEI pressure and all that stuff. And then on how smart are you? I mean, I'll just tell you, I know this because I had a lot of friends who went to these schools who there are dumbasses who go to these schools. Of all, of all kinds. So well, it doesn't mean anything necessarily. So you have to just figure out who you're actually talking to, who you're dealing with. Well, and especially that's the case when you're starting to delegitimize standardized testing, which theoretically existed to allow a kid from Topeka, Kansas to be compared to a kid from Westchester, right? Um, and now who knows, right? Like, and, and now all it seems to matter is, it, it is so interesting on the Claudine Gay front because she both simultaneously got her job because she's a black woman and she can't be fired because she's a black woman. And the thing that I actually think is M- scary. must be nice. And all that is yeah. because she's so oppressed. So she's yeah. on, she gets a job that she didn't deserve based on any particular ability that pays her over a million dollars a year from yes. which she is unfireable and has tremendous power and influence. It's really tough. That's tough. And so my question for you, Buck, and this is something I'm sitting around thinking about, when does the bill come due on this? There's a great article about uh, air traffic control, for instance, I was reading, where they're trying to be more diverse and inclusive. I don't know about you. I really don't care who people are 
What I want the air traffic control to be super, super talented and on the ball. I care nothing at all about anything in their lives other yeah. than their talent. And, at that and I'll tell you this right now. People who say, well, it's all going to continue until one day there's a horrible accident and 200 people die in a plane crash because somebody who's unqualified was in either a pilot or, you know, and was pushed forward with DEI. No, 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 no. People who say that misunderstand the nature and the mentality of the DEI system. When that day comes, if that day comes, it will be, how dare you say that DEI played any role in this, you sexist, you racist, you, you know, LGBTQ phobe, whatever it may be. How dare you? They'll just, you know, look at, look what they do with masks. They'll just pretend like we can't see what we see. But I hope that the, the intelligent, quiet minority is starting to recognize how crazy this all is. I hope it. Uh, online identity theft, silent crime. No alarm goes off. No police show up. You find out when you get a call from your bank telling you about a bunch of bogus charges on your credit card. Or worse, they tell you your bank account's empty. This all happens because the cyber hacker's gotten a hold of your info without your knowing. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Your personal info gets exposed so often it can make it easy for a cyber criminal to steal your identity. Protecting your identity can be easy with LifeLock. That's the company we rely on for identity theft protection. LifeLock will detect and alert you to potential identity threats you may not spot on your own. They notify you immediately via text, phone, or email or all of the above, if you do become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. That'll save you time when it's most precious to restore your life to regular order. Easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. Join now. Save 25% off your first year with the promo code CLAY. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go online to LifeLock.com. Use my name, CLAY, C-L-A-Y, for 25% off. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Chalk up a win for Team Reality. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. 
Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Speaking of the unfireable, we're just talking about the president of Harvard, but you will recall that for many decades, Dr. Fauci was able to cling to power and his top government salary, highest in the entire federal government. Here he is on how he actually worships Fauciism. Play 17. You don't practice no, anymore, do you? I don't, no. Why? Ah, a number of complicated reasons. Go on. <laughs> we have a whole corridor. <laughs> First of all, I, I think my own personal ethics in life are, I think, enough to keep me going on the right path. And I think that the, there are enough negative aspects about the organizational church. Mm-hmm. that you were very well aware of. I, I'm not against it. I identify myself as a Catholic. I was raised, I was baptized, I was confirmed, I was married in the church. My children were baptized in the church. But as far as practicing it, it seems almost like a pro forma thing that I don't really need to do. Pro forma thing, Clay. Fauci is in no need of God because he is God, according to Fauci. It all makes sense. He's exactly what I thought he was. I, I, it's amazing how many times Fauci keeps doing more interviews, even though he's retired, right? I mean, what, I thought maybe Fauci's no longer head of NIH or whatever that he would slink off into oblivion. It seems like his media profile just keeps growing. It's kind of wild. Uh, every product my pillow makes available is meant to improve your life. Take their newest introduction, the line of my towels. You go into stores, towels feel soft at first, you get home. Use them, find out they aren't that absorbent. That's a whiff. That's why my pillow made my towels. They do what a towel's supposed to do. They're absorbent and soft at the same time. What makes the towels work is the type of cotton they're made with, which is a game changer in the bathroom. Let's face it, we don't get many of those. Pick up a set as Christmas gift for someone right now. Six-piece set as low as $29.98 with our names Clay and Buck as the promo code. If you're feeling fancy, you can get the designer premium line for just 20 bucks more. Today's the last day you can order them. Still get free shipping with no minimum spend required, so get on it. Yes, guys out there, you probably could use them as well. Even more, it's a great gift for the procrastinators. MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special square. 50% in savings. Clay and Buck is the code. MyPillow.com, code Clay and Buck. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Okay, Buck, reports are that Sununu, the governor of... New Hampshire is going to endorse Nikki Haley. We know that Kim Reynolds, you had Kim Reynolds on the show, I think, uh, just a couple weeks ago. I think I was out for that day for whatever reason, but Kim Reynolds, governor of Iowa, has endorsed, uh, Ron DeSantis. If you look at the polling, it seems like Ron DeSantis is likely to come in second in Iowa. And if you look at the polling, it now seems like Nikki Haley is likely to come in second in New Hampshire. Again, this is looking out uh, six weeks out, seven weeks out. If that happens, 
if what is expected to happen happens, that is Trump wins in Iowa and New Hampshire, and two different candidates come in second, isn't that the best thing that could happen for Trump? Because that means we finish January without a clear number two having been established. And then by the time you get into February, this thing feels like it's kind of over. In other words, I'm curious if you would agree with my assessment. In order for Trump to uh, there to be a scenario where Trump loses, to me there has to be a rapidly and clearly established number two candidate that is clearly beyond a doubt number two at worst in both Iowa and New Hampshire in order to make the argument going into February. And then, look, this thing's going to be decided by like March 12th or March 19th at the latest, maybe well before that. But if you have two different candidates come in second place behind Trump, that seems like it's kind of ideal for Trump. Now, the wild card here would obviously be somebody pulls off a big upset. DeSantis were to win Iowa or Nikki Haley were to win New Hampshire. I think that changes things. But if the if the overall landscape looks to be as it is right now, Trump finishes first in both the first two with two different number twos. Isn't this thing kind of over, or do you see it differently? I think it is very likely to be over. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't have any uh, quibble with your analysis. Unlike say when you talk about salsa like a maniac, but uh, on this <laughs> issue on politics, so we we agree. Uh, on politics, we disagree on what to do with a chip. If you only have one thing, you can put a chip in. I'm st- I'm still smarting from your your snide comments about crab dip, sir. I have not forgotten. <laughs> but, but yes, on that's just my way of saying, yeah, man. I'm, I, on on the analysis of the numbers here and how this goes, I, I think I think you're uh, you're seeing it. Exactly I mean, I, as it I, is. I'll be honest you, with you because you need you 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 need a Trump alternative in the primary. Yes. You can't have multiple Trump alternatives once the votes are cast because he's at 50%. Bottom line, that's where we are. I I really thought if you would have said in, you know, April. Can I I just say, I'm not saying you need a Trump alternative like we should have one. I'm just saying if you are one of the opponents of Trump in the primary, you have to be number two. I'm not telling people who to vote for. Okay, second part of this. Does any endorsement matter at all? Trump's endorsement when he's not running obviously is very impactful in a Republican primary field. We have seen that. But does anyone's endorsement in 2024 actually carry that much weight? Because I think if you talk to people in Iowa, they would say Kim Reynolds is the best endorsement you can get. It doesn't seem like that's going to get Ron DeSantis unless he pulls off a big upset across the finish line there. Simultaneously, I think people would say, hey, in New Hampshire, if you could get anybody's endorsement, it would be Sununu, the governor, who's very popular there. I don't know that he's going to move the needle at all either. And then everybody focuses on, oh, what's the Manchester Herald newspaper going to do or the Des Moines Gazette or whatever. And yet it seems to me that there's a massive obsession with endorsements and they have almost no impact. Well, it's a little bit like when people start to calculate they say well this candidate has this amount of money and that candidate has that amount of money and so you know if 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 it's really close it may make a difference but there are plenty of times where you have candidates who throw crazy money i mean look at how much money beto o'rourke raised yes. and spent to try to beat ted cruz you know he lost uh lost both times uh you know considerably um was it both times he ran or once i can't even remember now but anyway, he lost he ran um, for governor and he ran governor for and senate. senate right yeah. that's yeah 
Yeah. So a lot of money that, you know, was lit on fire. Um, on the endorsement side of things, I, I think like a lot of things in politics these days, if it's close, it can be a difference maker. But if you're 40 points or 30 points behind, I don't know. That's tough. Tell Although caucuses this... are weird, as everyone yes. knows, because everyone who works in politics has to like Google this and be like, wait, how does, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've done this every year. There's been a caucus. Every time there's been a caucus, I'm like, wait, I got to get into this. I kind of understand, but it's weird. It's like buying a diamond ring. You know a little bit about it for a very short period of time, and then immediately, unless you're getting married like eight times, uh, like Larry King back in the day, and then you immediately forget it, hopefully forever, right? Like color, cut, clarity, I can vaguely remember. You just went through this recently. Carrot. Oh, yeah. Carrot matters. Cut, clarity. Now they also have, I was reading a big article, they also have artificial diamond rings, by the way, that cost a fraction of what the real ones do, and people can't even tell them apart. I'm going to tell you guys right now, big, big, big proponent of the artificial diamonds. They, it's a diamond. Yeah. It's just a diamond that didn't come out of the ground, but it's, it's, it is bi- uh, not biochemically, but it is, um, structurally, molecularly identical to a diamond. So I'm just yes. putting that out there for all you guys out there. You think, you think it's not a CZ or whatever. It's not, you know, cubic zirconium. It yeah. is a diamond. It is a diamond. It is a diamond. And it costs you half what an actual mine diamond does. And it's becoming a big issue uh, out there because uh, it, it, I was just reading about it recently. I think it was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal um, talking about how, the, as a result, women's diamond rings, in case you were already shopping and you're nervous, have gotten a lot bigger recently because, to your point, you can buy a much bigger ring for the price and nobody can tell the yeah. difference whether it's you know uh, lab manufactured or uh, or from the ground. Welcome to America, where you can afford now twice the diamond and half the house. That's a good point. That's exactly where we are. So, building on this Chris Sununu endorsement, Buck, tell me how this isn't all a grand, elaborate scheme for Nikki Haley to get the vice presidency. I, I just, I look at this and I say, everybody's going to drop out. Nikki Haley may well be the last person standing. The math does not add up for her ever beating Trump. I don't believe. Head to head. Now she may have a chance in New Hampshire because they have a lot of independents and, uh, and Democrats, but it seems to me that this is all just setting up for Trump to pick Nikki Haley as his VP and this thing's all signed, sealed and delivered by Valentine's Day. Uh, I, I would think in, in, in my mind, um, Nikki Haley in many ways, the best path for her, the most that she could hope for realistically is to be Trump's VP. Now, I know a lot of Trump voters don't want that, but just remember, who was Trump's last VP? Are you excited about that choice? So don't yeah. count out Nikki Haley, right? Um, she would be in a position where the base would become, you know, the Trump MAGA world, I think if she served Trump ably as vice president, would become, you know, more uh, favorable toward her, and it would be very difficult to take the, uh, you know, on-deck spot, if you will, away from her, and it comes up in just a couple of years. It is so, we keep forgetting this. All the presidential dynamics about who's running and who wants what. And it's so different when you have a candidate who can only be president for four more years. Yeah. Which is true on both sides. Uh, you know, Donald Trump cannot be president for eight more years. And so if you are his vice president, you're in a particularly, um, powerful spot because in two years, everyone's going to turn to you and be like, you're the one. I was going to say you're the guy, you're the gal in Nikki Haley's case. I love politics too, by the way, because I was going to say, you know, Nikki Haley's pretty young. She's 51. 
Politics is the only place where you can be like 56 or 58 and people are like, you know, he or she, they're pretty young. Yeah, you're because a spring chicken at 55. Yeah, every other profession, you would look at somebody in their 50s, certainly the top half of the 50s, you would never describe them as young. Remember when, um, was it Henry Hyde who, uh, confessed to, uh, to cheating, uh, and, and said that cheating at the age of 42 was a youthful indiscretion? And he was like 84 years old or something, so he was describing himself at 42 as as youthful. Uh, I don't think most people out there think of you know like 42 or 43 as youthful, unless you're like in your 80s, and then obviously things are different. But oh, the point is, Nikki Haley, I believe, is 51. She would be 55, and an overwhelming favorite to be picked as the nominee in 2028 if she was the VP. And, it seems and- to me she's running for that. A part of me that a part of this rather that I left out of it um, was even if Nikki Haley were by some miracle able to win the primary against Trump, I don't know that all the I don't know the Trump voters come out for Nikki Haley where they have to for her to win the general right. Whereas if she becomes vice president, yeah, I think there's a better shot down the line. She goes a little more MAGA. She goes to more rallies. She's helpful to Trump. Maybe that people right now I I know what a lot of people are thinking. That's crazy. He would never. She. It's politics, folks. Yeah. You know, things change very, very quickly. I mean, it was only six months ago that we were getting calls and emails saying that it should be an RFK Jr. Trump ticket. You're not, I remember yeah. this and I was and telling everybody he's a Democrat. He's a Democrat. He's a Democrat. I kept saying this over and over again. And now sure enough, he's running third party and helping Trump. It looks like in some of these states because it just ties to Biden's lack of popularity. By the way, we got Tucker in hour three. I would pick, if I were Trump right now, I would pick Tucker. I, that's who I would pick. So I understand, again, my first pick is take a state where you guarantee yourself. I've said this for months, maybe even a year or more. Trump's not going to do that. If he's not going to do that, I think Tucker would be his best possible option. What do you think? I really do. 800-282-2882. Come back to this. Also, remember, in the next hour, we're going to be diving into the Jack Smith Legal Hail Mary, I think you could call it, uh, over the January 6th election 2020 trial in D.C. against Trump. Andy McCarthy is going to break that down with us. And also we'll talk about some of the Hunter Biden stuff, too. So we've got a lot to get to. But, you know, I was just checking yesterday on my dashboard as a Phoenix Capital Group investor, and things are looking good. They give me updates every month, and I see how I'm doing. You see, I believe in what the Phoenix Capital Group is doing, so I'm not just talking to you about it because I think it's a good idea. I'm talking to you about it as somebody who's an investor. I believe in the Phoenix Capital Group. I think you should check them out. Here's what they do. We're talking corporate bonds here that have been qualified with the SEC and are independently audited. Phoenix Capital Group buys energy royalties that are previously reserved for institutional investors, but they are now accessible to you, the savvy investor. Phoenix Capital Group is disrupting traditional energy industry Activities through their proprietary offerings yielding, get ready for this, 9 to 13% annual interest for accredited investors. That's right. These are corporate bonds with a 9 to 13% annual interest for those accredited investors. Go check out the Phoenix Capital Group's investment packet today. phxonair.com is the website you go to. For a private investor meeting, visit phxonair.com. You can get an appointment with Matt Willer. Managing Director of Capital Markets. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today. 
learn, laugh, and join us on the weekend on our Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. The podcast would have taken a a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm just going to say this before we get into calls. Clay told me, I didn't know this, Harvard expelled 27 people for plagiarism last year. Students. Um, so, so institutionally, plagiarism, I mean, for me, ethically, saying like, you know, a, a mob calling for the genocide of the Jews, like that, that's worse than plagiarism. Institutionally speaking, in terms of the rules of the institution, plagiarism is supposed to be a really big deal, and now the president of Harvard is a plagiarist. Okay. No big deal. Um, I, I think that is worth pointing. Think about those students. Think about how they feel. Think about what it's like now for them. I Expelled. You carry that mark on you. Expelled from Harvard for plagiarism. A school run by a plagiarist. A school with a president who makes determinations about discipline and about, you know, who the deans are to enforce these rules, etc. A plagiarist. That's okay, though. DEI. This is what DEI gets you. The rules do not apply. That is what you get with DEI. E-I. Uh, David in Omaha, Nebraska. You've got some thoughts. What's up? Yeah, never mind that our country is being run by a plagiarizer. Anyway. Well, that's good that, point. By the way, very good point. point. Very good point. Yes. I think both of you are underestimating Ron DeSantis. 
And How so? Been talking about endorsements, uh, let me remind you, Governor DeSantis has Governor uh, Reynolds' endorsement. He's got Bob Vanderplot's endorsement, which I think carries a lot of weight up in the northwest Iowa corridor. I think uh, Governor DeSantis has visited almost every county in He's Iowa. He's been to every county. He's, He's worked hard in Iowa. So what, what does underestimated mean? What do you expect DeSantis to do on Jan? We say he's going to come in second. You think he's going to win? I don't know if he's going to win, but I think he's going to come in a strong second. Well, well if, if you okay. don't think he's going to win, why are we underestimating him? Because we're saying, look, I mean, we we, we are very clear. I mean, I, I won't speak for Clay, but, I mean, I think it's obvious, too. Ron DeSantis is a you know phenomenal governor, and some Trump voters who listen to this get mad at me when I say that. I'm just speaking what I think is the observable truth. He's a phenomenal governor. He's worked very hard in Iowa. I'm also speaking the truth, as is Clay, when we say the polls haven't moved in his favor. It's just this is just the objective reality. It's not a knock on DeSantis. It's not undermining. It's not meant to undermine Trump or any of this. It's just this is what we're seeing. Yeah, and it's, if it's hard to say we're underestimating somebody. Uh, when you have the same opinion that we do, he's going to come in second. Now, if you're going to say, oh, he's only going to lose by one or two points, is that your argument? Yes, that's exactly my argument. Uh, okay. And I think that, okay. that is almost, that, that would almost be a win for Governor DeSantis. It would be. Uh, yeah, if, if he closes the gap enough that he looks, yeah. If Ron DeSantis loses Iowa by four or five points, I would say, that will be seen as a win. Now, the problem for him will be, Nikki Haley is basing her campaign on New Hampshire, where she is currently favored to finish second. So if he finishes a strong second in Iowa and then comes in third in New Hampshire, I think a lot of that momentum is gone. So my argument is just barring a DeSantis win in Iowa or a Nikki Haley win in New Hampshire, I think both of them have put that's their primary focus. I think it's great for Trump, and I think Nikki Haley ends up saying, you know what, I'll take the VP. Yeah, you agree with me, Buck. There's no chance that DeSantis has taken the VP. Nope. He will Zero. not. He will yeah. not. Um, Jim in Seal Beach, California. Jim, what's going on? How you doing, Clay and Buck? I really enjoy your show. Thank <clears throat> hey, you. My, my biggest thing is, uh, you're welcome. My biggest thing is I voted for Trump twice. Yeah, would I like to see him win? Yeah, I, I'd like to see us, him do the scorched earth. But my biggest problem is, is, it looks like he's going to take the primaries. Okay, gosh, but the thing is, when you when you have the worst frickin' presidential candidate in history, and Trump's up by four points, are you kidding me? And and then when you got Nikki Haley up by I don't know uh, over ten, and and DeSantis over ten, we better be damn concerned about the general election because I'll tell you, um, there's so many people that won't vote for Trump. They won't maybe vote Democrat, but they'll they'll take themselves out of the vote. And then the other thing, the supreme Trump haters who probably don't show up to vote will show up to vote. My biggest I, thing is he's up four percent over Biden, the worst freaking ridiculous candidate ever, and he's only up by four points. Okay, I appreciate the call. If Trump were to thank you for the call, if Trump were to win by four, it would be a landslide election. So. I would not quibble with a four-point lead right now. Buck, I've said I think that Vivek, I think Nikki Haley, I think DeSantis, and I think Trump would all beat Biden because Biden is the weakness of his campaign right now, not the strength. We'll break that down for you, plus all of this Supreme Court machinations, what's happening with the lawfare. Life's better with American Family Insurance. 
Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.